0: that to me. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Hi. Look at us. We're all here together. This is great. Little secret, this is the least favorite part of my job. Okay, but we're going to do it. Um, so I'm Steph. I'm one of the pastors here. And I get the honor of kicking off our new series today. And I would love to do that by starting with a story. So when I was a kid, Every now and then, I would get to stay home sick from school. And I had to have an incredibly high fever or be physically crumbling near death in order to stay home from school. You laugh? Yes, you probably know what that feels like. Um, but when that happened, there was this show that I loved to watch. And the show was a cartoon called Little Bear. There are my friends. So there's Little Bear, really creative names. Duck, owl, cat and hen. Really good. But every episode of Little Bear was set on the perfect summer day. And sometimes I would close my eyes and I would, I would just listen to the sounds of the birds chirping or the bees humming. And they always used really great classical music. It's probably why I love classical music to this day. And so the little bear, on these perfect summer days, would take his friends and they would go off on these amazing adventures together. And they'd go swimming, they'd go fishing, they would build forts, they would do all the most amazing things that you could do in the summertime, building all of these incredible memories together. And for those 15 minutes, I would escape the reality of the world that I was living in, where my body hurt, my body was aching, my stomach hurt from rounds of vomiting, all mixed with not knowing how much homework I had waiting for me because I was taking some time off. See, as humans living on the earth, we are constantly face-to-face with the reality of the world that we live in. And I'm sure if we did a check-in this morning, we would find that most of us, people online, people in this room, we're walking through some difficult things, and myself is even included. And there are Christians that hold the reality of our pain. There are lots of Christians we will hold the reality of our pain and simply daydream about one day being in heaven with Jesus and never having to experience anything, anything bad that we do in this life. Just like I did as a kid sick on the couch. It was nothing more than a short-lived escape. But what if I told you, you didn't have to wait to experience heaven? What if I told you that instead of anxiety, you could experience peace? Instead of insecurity, you could have confidence. Instead of feeling run down, you could be refreshed. Instead of being confused, you were connected. Instead of feeling lonely, you felt welcomed, loved, and wanted. That's what this series is all about. And we're calling this series, Living the Future. In the book of Revelation, chapter 21, we see this picture of heaven. And it describes how this age, this part of history ends, and it all ends with a kingdom. And there's a new heaven, and there's a new earth, and every tear has been wiped away, and there's no more death, and there's no more sorrow, and there's no more pain, and it is all gone forever. And in this kingdom, God is living with his people in complete unity, and everything is perfectly set back to its original design. And in this kingdom, there's a king. And the king is full of love, and he's full of kindness and generosity, and he's compassionate, and he's just, and he's brave, and he's fun, and he's filled with laughter. And over the next few weeks, We're going to be looking at the I am statements of Jesus. Surprise, he's the king because we're in church and Jesus is the answer to everything. We're going to use the I am statements to unpack more of who this king is from the Bible and the book of John. But here's the thing. Jesus is on the throne of his kingdom right now as we speak. And what's amazing is that we can actually know him. The king is available to us now. And more than simply knowing of Him, we can engage in a real, interactive relationship with Him right this second. And this then gives us access to the future kingdom today. And so this morning, we're going to look at how to live life in such a way that we're connected to the source of everything we need so that we can experience the future now. Let me pray for us. Holy Spirit, we, we ask that you would bring our attention to your presence in the room right now. You are with every single one of us, and some of us just aren't fully aware of it. And so would you help us to notice that? And I ask Jesus that you would meet us in our pain today, that you would meet us in our discomfort, that you would meet me in my own anxiety, because we need you, Jesus. We desperately need you. That's why we're here. So come, would you meet us, and would you give us a taste of heaven today, amen. All right, so if you're anything like me, anytime I'm learning how to play a new game, before I get the details of the game and the rules of the game, I wanna know why to play. Tell me how to win, because I wanna win. I'm, I'm not that competitive, just don't ask the students. What does winning look like? And then tell me the rules of the game. So, it, so today, sorry, I got a little hair happening. So today, what I've done is I've broken the message up into two parts. We're going to talk about why you'd want to live the Christian life, and then we're going to talk about how to live the Christian life. But it's key to remember that we're not playing a game against God. He's our partner in this, and he's going to be the one making most of the moves. So God's win is our win, we win together. Okay, so we're gonna read in John 1 through 17. If you wanna grab a Bible, feel free. You can use your phone. Or, I believe, maybe it's up there, I don't know, we'll find out. All right, John 1 through 17 says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Why live the Christian life? Because it's the sustaining source. Jesus is our source of life. And here in the passage, Jesus is using figurative language for us to best understand why to live life following him. Now, I am not a botanist, and honestly, every plant in my house that I touch dies. Okay, So the ones that I leave alone, they're the ones that are thriving. But if you can channel like your first grade science class where you had to cut and paste the plants with like the arrows and the circles, if you know what I'm talking about, that's kind of what we're aiming for here. So Jesus calls himself the true vine. The vine is the main source of life for the plant. A leaf disconnected from the stem will not survive. The vine, the stem of the plant, is what provides the nutrients for the leaves, that's us. When the leaves get the right nutrients, they produce fruit. So to be really clear, the source is not the church. The source is not a denomination. The source is not a set of rules that we have to live by. While these are parts of the Christian faith, they're not the source of life. That is Jesus. And maybe for a lot of us, we don't even see that we're connected to the wrong things. We make the source about having more money or raising the perfect family or finding our identity in a diploma or accomplishing grad school or dating the right person. In order for us to truly live, we must be connected to Jesus. He is the only one that will provide us with the nutrients we need to sustain life that produces fruit, and that fruit is the kingdom now. It's comfort in grief, it's hope in despair, it's joy in troubles. See, Christianity is not an add-on to have a good life. It is the good life, and the only way to have the good life where we have access to the future kingdom is through a relationship with the King Jesus. He is our source. When Jesus was walking here on the earth, people flocked to him. They flocked to him because they knew if they could get to Jesus, they could experience freedom. They knew if they could get to Jesus, their lives could be radically different. For example, there's a passage in the Bible where some men come to Jesus and they ask, are you the Messiah? Like, are you the one? Are you the one we've been waiting for? Are you truly this source? And Jesus says to them, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Jesus doesn't say, yeah, that's me. Yeah, that's it, you got it right. He says, look at the evidence. Make your own report. The blind see, the lame walk. That's the fruit of the kingdom. That's the future now. That is living the future. So why would you wanna live the Christian life? Because it's through Jesus that you have the source of life. But Jesus takes it one step further with his imagery and he tells us about a gardener. God is the source of all things. Our passage describes to us that God is the gardener and a good gardener knows what the soil needs. A good gardener knows how to tend to a plant based on changing weather conditions. The gardener is the main source for the vine so that it can send the nutrients needed to the leaves of the plant. It is by the gardener that things truly flourish. And so it's in this that we see God is our source of absolutely everything. Now, we could make a list a mile long of what actually falls into the category of absolutely everything. So I just picked a few out, and then I went and talked to our middle schoolers about it. You guys, this is my favorite part, so I'm sorry if I get really loud because I'm excited. Okay, I went to the middle schoolers, and I asked... How do you know that God is the source of power? And one student raised his hand and he said, easy, the creation story. I was shocked. I was like, that is such a good answer. In the very first verse of the Bible, Genesis 1-1, it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. God is the source of all power because he created all that exists. So then I asked them another one. I said, how do you know that God is the source of love? And one student said, in the story of Exodus. We just spent a lot of time on Exodus, so I was very proud to hear that he knew this story. He said, in the story of Exodus, God brings the Israelites out of slavery, and even while they're still complaining in the desert, he meets their needs and he sends them manna and water. And another student said, well, John 3, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And then 17, for God did not send his son into the world to contemn the world but to save the world through him. It was God's love that sent Jesus. And then another student shared We know that God is the source of love because Jesus healed people. Yes! There's a passage in Colossians that describes Jesus as the image of the invisible God. The life of compassion and expression of love that we see lived out in the life of Jesus is a direct reflection of God's heart for the world. Then I asked them one more. I said, how do you know that God is the source of peace? And without missing a beat, one student said, because he created the Garden of Eden, Pff, my mind was blown. I, that one took me a minute. I was like, oh my gosh, that's so good. You guys, the Garden of Eden, The original design, God's perfect plan was for us to be in full peace with him in his presence all the time in the very beginning and that's what he's restoring in the very end. That's the kingdom. That's what we see in Revelation. Oh my gosh, I've never been so proud of these kids, you guys. Our middle schoolers are amazing. And credit where it's due, that's Clint. So if you see Clint, tell Clint he's doing a great job. When we choose to live our lives following Jesus, we sign ourselves up to have access to the source of everything that we need to be successful. Now what this kind of reminds me of is when I did my college orientation. And so part of the orientation is they walk you around campus And they show you all the things from, here are the computer labs, and here's the library, and here are study rooms. Here's the professor's offices, and here are the professor's office hours. Here's the counseling center, because you just registered for college. Here's the cafeteria. And then on the tour, they said, as a student here, we want you to have access to everything that you need to be successful and empowered to do what you've come to do. Why would you want to live the Christian life? Because you have access to everything you need to live the future right now, to experience the fruit of the kingdom, God showing up in our lives today. When you find yourself in a difficult situation with a friend and you don't know how to respond, God's power can meet us, give us courage to be present, give us courage to have a difficult conversation, or to help us pray for somebody in the moment, or when we feel powerless. Maybe you feel powerless in your job. Or if I'm really honest, maybe you feel powerless in some of our current church circumstances. When we don't feel like we have the power to do the things we want to do, we can rely on God as our source to be working in ways that we can't. It's in God's source of love that we find the confidence to move past our own sin and extend forgiveness. It's his love that allows us to truly trust in God's goodness and faithfulness and peace. Where in your life today do you desperately need God's peace? Is it at home with your kids? Is it in your finances? in your marriage. God's peace allows us to show up less anxious so that we can make healthy, wise decisions leading us towards change in all of these different areas of our lives. That's why we want to live the Christian life. So now that we have a picture of why, let's talk about how. How do we live the Christian life? we abide. I wanna talk about four tools that we use to live out our Christian faith. But first, we really need to define this word abide. So I went to a private Christian school in high school, well, always, but and I had to memorize this whole passage, and I remember reciting it and just like feeling like I was spewing out a bunch of words, and I just was like, abide, 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 I'm like, what does this even mean? So we need to define this word. It's a little bit, feels a little churchy maybe, or it feels a little mystical. What does abide actually mean? It means to depend on, remain in, stay connected to, and live into the reality of who Jesus is. It is the necessary prerequisite of fruitfulness. It's a mutual indwelling between us and Jesus. Jesus in us, and you cannot have one without the other. Remember, the leaf disconnected from the stem. If the leaf is not physically attached, it has no connection to the source of its needs. That's the kind of connection that we have to have with Jesus. So in 1 John 3.24, it says, the one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them because he can't have one without the other and this is how we know that he lives in us we know it by the spirit he gave us when we're living in him we receive his spirit which lives in us abiding the mutual indwelling connected to one another so Now you have that information. Let's talk about our four tools. First tool, how do we live our Christian life? Comes from verse seven. It says, if my words remain or abide in you, then you will bear fruit. When Jesus says my words, he means that we have to let the word of God become a part of our psyche. To look at ourselves through it and to look at the world through it. It becomes the lens in which we view everything. So take a look at the world right now. We've got Chinese balloons floating through, well, they were floating through the air, who knows what kind of disaster that's gonna cause. We've got possible wars breaking out. Sometimes it feels like there's not enough food, but if you can even afford the food, that's another situation. Doesn't, it's not hard to watch the news or scroll through social media and have your anxiety go up. How many of you are anxious about the Super Bowl results? Not me, but I just wanna know what we're gonna be eating. Nachos, probably. But it's not hard for us to just look at some of the things happening in our world and become incredibly anxious. And if you're abiding in Christ, in the word of God, you immediately know how to respond to your anxiety. Scripture tells us in Philippians 4, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Matthew 6 says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? This is what it means to let the word of Christ Rule in your heart richly. But please note, anxiety is a real medical diagnosis. And so what I'm not saying is that you just need to quote more scripture, just try a little bit harder. That's not what I'm saying. The Bible is just the first place that we start. We are lucky to live in a day and age where we have medical professionals, and so if you need them, please seek them. But we need to let the Bible address us and preach to us and argue with us and become a part of who we are. When I was younger and I find myself in difficult situations, I like think of, um, so like a difficult situation, be like conflict with a friend or like maybe going to a job interview, something like that where I just felt really uneasy about how to show up. What I would do is I would actually think of a friend of mine, I'd be like, who do I know that would respond really well to this situation? And then I'd pick someone out and then I'd, try to do what I thought they would do in the situation that I found myself in. And then as I grew in my faith, I began switching out the person with a verse. And it has helped me over and over and over again, keeping me centered on Jesus. So that's our first tool. We have to abide in the words. And then our second tool, it comes from verse nine. It says, if my love abides in you, then you will bear fruit. Here's the thing about God's love. You are no more loved today than you have ever been since the beginning. If you have your own children, it's easy for you to understand this a little bit more, that the love that you have for them, it never decreases. Yes, they drive us crazy. I was home with my daughter all week trying to write a sermon and plan a youth conference. It was a lot, they drive us crazy. But our love for them never wavers. And when they act out, it's our love for them and our hope for their future that actually causes us to respond. The love that we have for our children is what allows them to show up confident in the world. We have to grow in our understanding of God's love for us in order to abide in his love. So what does it mean to be a Christian? It means to live out your faith in Jesus. To recognize his death was the ultimate price for you because he loves you. And to be a Christian, scripture tells us, to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you'll be saved. And after that, you start living out your faith in Jesus rooted in God's love for you. So then, how do Christians handle criticism? How do Christians handle a bad childhood? How do Christians handle the fact that nobody might want to date them? They say, I am a daughter of the king. I am a son of the king. I am deeply loved by my father and the only love that matters, the only family that matters, I already have. Let's go to tool number three. If we circle back to abiding in his words, if we know his words, we know his commands. How do we live the Christian life? We obey. Verse 10 says, keep my commands. How many of you cringed a little bit when I said that? You're like, obey, Uh, no thank you. We live in a culture that says, no one gets to tell me what to do. I'm gonna live my life the way I wanna live my life, how I wanna live my life, when I wanna live it. But that's not how this works. Now there are a lot of ways that you can be uniquely you. In fact, God designed each of us differently to highlight his own creative creative nature. But the Christian life has a different way Of addressing situations that we experience here are some of those it says in the Bible bless those who persecute you do not seek revenge be respectful of authority that includes the boss that you don't like do not have idols we don't get to put anything above Jesus in our lives And the reason we obey the commands of Jesus is because he is setting up guardrails for us, not to prevent us from experiencing life, but to empower us and allow us to experience the best that life has to offer. So that's tool number three. We need to obey, keep his commands. And then tool number four, how do we live our Christian life? We abide in Christ-centered community. Jesus' command is to love one another, to lay down one's life for a friend. We're to love each other just as Jesus has loved us. Now, thankfully, it's unlikely that we would have to die for someone, but there are other ways that we do this kind of sacrificial love, and it's through sacrificial acts of service. It's listening to each other helping and encourage one another, giving our time, energy, and resources as an extension of Jesus' love. But more than that, we need people who are willing to express the love of Jesus by challenging us, by correcting us, by calling us out on our sins in a way that honors God and helps shape us to more like God's heart to look more like God's heart for the world when we have people around who are willing to do what it takes to champion us towards Jesus that's the kind of community that becomes life changing and this is that's the community that we want to abide in And as John brought up in the beginning, this is what we're doing in our small groups. This is why we have small groups. Small groups are a great opportunity to find people who are in a similar walk of life as you. And it helps create the framework for that type of community to happen. And he brought up the fact that we're doing Alpha. Alpha is an incredible tool for us to explore what we believe, why we believe it in a safe environment where you can talk about absolutely anything. It's processing and healthy community. I'd say for me in the last little bit here, I have been so incredibly blessed by the community that I find myself in. I had joined a small group last spring. It's been about a year since our small group met. And this personally has been a really difficult season for me. And I have had women reaching out to me through prayer, encouraging texts. I've had women ask, can I bring you a meal? Can I watch your kids? On Saturday, I had two friends show up at my house. They knew I had been home with my daughter all week who was sick, and they said, we just want to take your kids so you can have some time to yourself because we know there's a lot on your plate. That is incredible community, and that community has come through my small group. You guys, this life with Jesus It is something that is incredible. We are blessed to get to be connected to the source of everything that we possibly need. And as we stay connected to Jesus, we abide in him. We abide in his words. We abide in his love. We abide in his commands and in his community. And that is how we begin to experience the future kingdom now. The fruit of the kingdom is available today, right now, in this very moment. And so that's what we're gonna do next as we step into ministry time. So as I've been working on this message, I actually would just invite you guys to stand up. Let's just, let's just start ministry time. As I've been working on this message and just praying over what God wants for us this morning, I really feel like God just wants us to become aware of his presence in the current moment. And so I'm gonna begin to pray for us and just give us a little bit of time to focus on where God is at in our own lives. And then there's a few things that I feel like he wants to bring up this morning. So Jesus, would you help us to become present to you right now in this moment? You are sitting on your throne right now in your kingdom, and through you we have access to every single thing we need in this moment. I pray Jesus for a release of joy, that your joy would meet us this morning. I pray for a release of hope, hope for our futures, hope for our church community. I pray for healing Jesus. There's a lot of us that are experiencing a lot of pain, a lot of difficulty, a lot of things that we said, I thought I was done with that. I don't wanna have to do that again. I don't wanna have to look at that again. Jesus, would you gently meet us in our pain? And then I think really realistically, I think there's a lot of us that feel really alone I don't, I don't know if I even matter anymore. Like, what am I even doing with my life? Does it even make a difference? Holy Spirit, would you speak truth over anyone feeling that right now in this moment? That you have called them, you have chosen them, you have a plan and a purpose for their life. And then this morning, as we've talked about what it looks like to follow Jesus, if you're here today and you feel like you've never fully said yes to committing your life to Jesus, you can do that this morning. Or if you're somebody that's maybe been like familiar with the Christian faith or you kinda grew up with it and you just kinda like have the knowledge of your family but it's never really become something of your own or you want to, like, start fresh, I'm going to lead you through a prayer right now, and you are welcome to pray this prayer with me. You can just pray it in your head. If you want to pray it out loud, you can do that as well. Jesus, I need you. I can't do this life without you. I need you to come, and I need you to lead me. It is through your death on the cross that I can have life, and so I choose that life today through your sacrifice. And so today I commit my life to you. Help me to continue to follow you every day forward. If you prayed that prayer this morning, welcome to the family. You're part of God's family. We have a little gift for you on the back by the doors. It's a little um, envelope and has some information on how to continue to live out your faith with Jesus. But we're going to continue to worship. There's a song I've specifically chosen out for us this morning. In this season that has felt incredibly heavy and difficult, it has every single time centered me on who Jesus is. And so I invite you, if you don't know the words, you can just listen to the words and kind of take them in. But a few more things this morning that I feel like, um, I'm, I'm gonna actually invite our ministry team to come forward if you're, if you're trained to pray. I'd love to have you come forward. There's some, a few things I really feel like specifically God wants to pray for, for us to get prayer for. And the first is that um, you have something physically that you want healed. Like if, God, if Jesus was here healing people, you're like, I want that. There's this physical thing that you've been experiencing and you want it gone you want it taken care of, you're sick of dealing with it, I'm going to invite you very specifically to come forward and get prayer. Can feel a little scary, but let's see what God's gonna do. But along with that, I feel like that there are people here this morning that they want faith to believe the future can happen today. You're like, that all sounds good, Steph, but I've never seen it. How do I know that can happen? Come forward and get prayer for your faith. And then lastly, I think that there are some of us that are not living our lives with integrity that we know we want to change, make some changes to. And so let's get prayer for some of those very specific things this morning. You can get prayer for anything else as well, but I invite you to stay and enjoy the worship. Get some prayer. Thanks for being here this morning.